The following is a presentation of Muddy River News. This is the book nook with uh, Lee McKenzie. She has a new book out called She Seems So Normal, and this is brought to you by Muddy River News and the Quincy Public Library. Make sure you check out the Quincy Public Library's website, quincylibrary.org. They have a lot of activities coming up for the Christmas season, including how to make your own Christmas wrapping paper and tags, and they also have a vision board that they'll have someone showing people how to make it. That might be something you would love to do, Lee. Oh my gosh, I would love to do a vision board. Yeah, do a vision (laughs) board. So Lee is the author. She has a new book coming out. It's called She Seems So Normal, and it's based on life experiences that she has had uh, as a survivor of sexual abuse when you're a child Mm -hmm. and the path that you have taken to where you are right now. So it's based on it's all this started when you were three and what's it how do you remember the grooming taking place at such a young age that's such a good question and thank you so much for the interview today i'm just really honored to be here again back in quincy um it's interesting because i didn't have tons of memories as a grown-up i just knew that i had all these weird and wonky symptoms and i would have flashbacks but they didn't make any sense and so back in about 2019 i had a friend who was a seasoned therapist and she said you might want to get some trauma therapy and I'm like oh I'm good you know I'm fine not that big of a deal she's like you you have abuse don't you sexual abuse you have all the symptoms and I said well yeah but that was like the babysitter's husband when I was in second grade and it wasn't that big of a deal and she she kind of like encouraged me to go back into uh go to go into therapy and uh that's kind of where we uncovered a lot of the things that I've now, it now makes sense. We did um, EMDR therapy, which is a specific kind of psychotherapy. And it helped me to actually remember and tie together all of the snapshots, all of the flashbacks, all of the weird sensations that I was having, but could never understand. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it all started when I was three, but uh, I blissfully for many years had no memories. So having no memories... And now having the memories, do you feel better now that you have all the memories or would it have been easier just not to have the memories? <laughs> That's a really good question. I think what happened is that I sat there and you look around and you see the damage that I was causing. I, I saw the damage I was causing in my own family. People had to walk on eggshells around me. Mm-hmm. And it was like I would blow up and I didn't know why I was blowing up or I'd things would happen or I'd have these nightmares or I'd have these thoughts and I didn't understand it. And at least now I haven't gone through the therapy, haven't gone back to the very beginning and understanding what happened. Now I'm like, actually I can reconcile it. I can understand it. I can look at it and go, okay, that was something that I believed, but I can change how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. I can change what I believe about myself and I can change my future and the environment that I have around me simply by knowing what the truth was. You're a very faithful person. Yes, sir. So I hope were so. you, well, <laughs> we all do our best. Do you're, our a, best. Ve- you're a very faithful person. And were you prior to this realization in 2019? Yeah. Um, I had faithfully served at every level inside of a church um, for probably about 14 years and been a Bible study teacher, had been a biblical research assistant for one of the big churches here, um, put together sermons and sermon series. I mean, I've, 
I've taught the Bible and everything and had walked very faithfully from a life of complete, I didn't know who Jesus was to a place where Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, he's my Lord and Savior. But I still kept feeling like there were these spots inside of me where I didn't, I didn't know if I actually was saved at a certain point simply because it was a space of, I didn't have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness regularly. And so a lot of it was like, I, I just was wondering about what was happening with me. And I felt like once I got to this space in this place of trusting God, I'm kind of messing up this, this whole line. No, here. you're good. <laughs> it was like, once I got to the space and place of really truly trusting the Lord and knowing what his character is and who I am in God and who I am in Christ. I think that knowing the truth, the truth actually really did set me free. So was that after 2000? That was after 2019 though, right? Yeah. But was there any in 2019, that seems to be the key time frame where you were going, God, why me? Why did this happen to me? And why are you bringing back these memories? Was there any type of thought like that? Oh yeah. There was all sorts of what the heck, God, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I, there's in the book, we talk about, you know, being angry with God and can you be angry with God? Um, why, why is it okay for you to be honest in front of God for all these things? And to know that God has never left me. He's never forsaken me. I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death and Mm -hmm. he's been with me. And so I feel like with faith, um, that, that, that faith, knowing that, um, I wasn't alone, knowing that he didn't like, I'm not the throwaway. I'm not the person that um, he deemed unholy. I think my faith grew exponentially, and I'm glad I had the foundation, the biblical foundation, to know that um, God never left me through all of it. But did you feel unholy, though, when you were younger? Oh, yes. So what, if you don't mind me asking, what age did the abuse take place? Uh, The grooming started when I was three, culminating in um, loss of innocence at five. So, and it continued on through other groomers, through other people, through other predatory abusers. Okay. So So, were you from a religious home at this point? No. I mean, fairly, it was, I was growing up basically in a bar. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And, and you mentioned there's a lot of comments about masking and the plastic princess. And I think a lot of people who suffer depression or any other mental disease Masking is such a great skill set that they bring along with them. Uh, when did you start removing that mask? Was it 2019 or was it when you found your faith earlier than that? I think probably I, I started putting the mask on very early as a child. But once you had I, to. You had to because otherwise you would, I would have fallen apart. I, I wouldn't be here right now if I didn't put right. the mask on. But when I came inside uh, 17 years ago, I came into the church and I was like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to act. Oh, this is how I'm supposed to be. That's when I felt like the mask really, I, put, I started putting the mask on. And I looked around at all these amazing people in church and thought, oh my gosh, that's what I'm supposed to be like. If I'm going to do this thing, oh, I'm supposed to act like this, or I'm supposed to say this, I'm supposed to do this. And so I started creating this plastic princess mask it looks really beautiful on the outside, right. but it is dying slowly on the inside and it comes out sideways when I don't expect it. And so it was kind of this idea of, I was, I felt like a plastic princess. I felt like fake almost, but not fake. I was trying to do all those things that I thought it was supposed to be doing, but I didn't know how to heal what was actually 
wounded and broken and rotting inside of me. And I feel like by going through and unearthing all those dead, dying, stinky corpses that Mm -hmm. I had inside of me, once I saw what those were, I could go, oh, wow, let's clean that up. God, let's clean that up. Therapists, we're going to clean this up. But that didn't start till 2019, though, right? Nope, did not start. So that's when it started melting. At what point? <laughs> at what point did you in your life did you know that what you're going through was wrong? The, preda- you know, the, the predatory, the, 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 uh, the abuse that you were receiving. Language receiving. Dang, that's a, a great term. question. Um, was there a time? What did a light switch go off I, when you're 13 or whatever, and say, "Okay, I know this is wrong, but I can't stop it." Uh. Uh-uh. I think I don't think I realized any of it was wrong. I just that it was my normal. Just part of normal. Right? Now, did you, you went to West Point? Yes, sir. Uh, which is amazing, based on <laughs> what you were going through, that you qualified to go to West Point. Uh, was that an escape mechanism, though? It's so interesting that you, the life you led, you went probably to one of the most disciplinary places you could possibly go. A, a life you enter a life of stru- nothing but structure. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was subconsciously a way to get out of what you were going through? Um, I think when you have lived as a child with no boundaries and um, like, just give me a, I, I needed like a curfew. There were, there was no, mm-hmm. there was no boundary when I was younger where I went, nobody bothered to know where I was. And so West Point made a lot of sense, I guess, in a sense, because massive boundaries. I understood the playing field. I understood what time I needed to be, where, what I was going to wear, what I was going to say, what I was going to do. And so it's almost like I went from one extreme to the other. Right. And I was able, I mean, I got in on my own merits. I had the congressional, I did the whole congressional interviews and everything else and um, had the opportunities to take advantage of it. I was but lucky. Only made it one year. Uh, yeah, one year. Because so back in 1989, um, I sold myself to the congressional interviewers that I was going to be a new thing that West Point would see. I would be more feminine. I was multilingual. Um, I spoke fluent Spanish, English, um, and I was going to be something new that they hadn't seen. And the congressional panel agreed, but I don't think a lot of West Point did. I was an outlier, uh, definitely. Um, had some real challenging times there simply because as a female, we were, we were like less than 10% there. Mm-hmm. But then being a female who was very feminine, that was a whole nother level. And um, I stayed for a year. I was um, assaulted uh, multiple times and raped at one point. And there was a point that I went to go forth and speak about it and asked a uh, lieutenant colonel, like, I'm telling you what happened that night. And I was blamed for it and shamed and told it was my own fault. I should have known better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that men's hormones run faster than women's. And it's your own fault if that happened. Right. Not what you deserved. So after West Point, where'd you end up? Did you go back to college? Is that when you became a biblical scholar? <laughs> oh, no. Um, I went back to college. Um, I played rugby at U- University of Wyoming. I, my husband and I got married. Um, and I finished my degree at Kansas State University in microbiology, biology. And I didn't start doing Bible stuff, <laughs> the biblical scholar stuff, until probably about 17 years ago when I came into the okay. church. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, so your book, She's So Normal. She Seems it, So Normal, yeah. Yeah, She Seems So Normal. Is this a memoir? Is this a 
and uh, help. What is it, I guess, yeah. why and why write it? Yeah, it's a that's a great question, too. Um, the, she Seems So Normal, Shatter the Plastic Princess, Embrace Authentic Faith is really, it started out, um, I started into trauma therapy, and I had been writing and researching for um, for preachers, and I had been writing for magazines, I had been a Pure Flix top mommy blogger at that point, so I had a lot of writing, and my publisher's wife said, you have to document your healing process, I think that it will be very beneficial. So it reads almost like a diary. I call it a documentative, a documentary narrative, but it's also has a lot of coping mechanisms. It also has a lot of uh, scripture in it. It also has a lot of examples in it of how to heal. It's giving permission to people to, if you have mental health problems, particularly inside of the church, that there is no shame, that we can use trauma specialists, we can use doctors, we can use therapists, along with our faith. If you need medicine, take the medicine. There should be no shame in that. But then also dig deep into your faith and see, what does God say about this? What does God say about you and who you are? Because I feel like we can we can do better. We can mm-hmm. do better and give people permission to get healed in any way, shape, or form that they need it. Do you think there's a stigma, though, about needing permission to get healed? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yes. I think um, in many different communities, I think that mental health is, uh, is definitely stigmatized, that if you don't, in different generations as well, I feel like a lot of times um, I would be, I knew I was afraid personally to ever say I was struggling um, I knew I was afraid to tell people I was in therapy for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to cause people to stumble, like, oh my gosh, wisely having you know all these struggles um, as leadership um, because we were leaders inside of the church. Do you think that's lightening up a little bit? This as it's becoming more accepted to think, receive think, therapy. Yeah, I think we're. I think that we're coming, especially post COVID. I think that everyone's been traumatized now, and we're starting to realize how fragile uh, a lot of our population is. Mm -hmm. We look at our students, and we see the vulnerable populations there. We look at how we all responded during COVID and how hard it was for a lot of people. Um, And I feel like, yeah, I think that we are coming to this space and place where leaders and others are saying, it's okay, and it's actually really important for you to take care of your mental health. So the book is available where? The book is available on Amazon. It has been um, one of the top new releases for abuse self-help as well as Christian self-help. And uh, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Christian Books. You can get it at Goodreads, BookBub. It'll be at the library here eventually. It'll be at the library here. Thanks for coming over. Thank you. And thanks for sharing your story. Is it targeted at the survivors or is it targeted about family of survivors or is it targeted at or is it even targeted is it just something you need to get off your chest well the audience the audience is really for uh trauma survivors to know that they are not alone that there is hope because there is help but there's also um it's targeted for the people who support those who've been traumatized in any way uh whether it's family members whether it is support staff and it is written in a sense, um, in a way that is very, um, there are no details inside of the book, right. very, very few details about the actual abuse that I suffered so that it's, I just didn't want anyone to be triggered.
So this is Lee McKenzie. The book is She Seems So Normal. Again, available on Amazon or any place you can get a book. And you also have a podcast, She Seems So Normal. And that's you can get that in all the places you get podcasts, right? All the downloads, yeah, all the platforms. All right. Well, it's great seeing you again, and uh, thanks for coming by. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate it. All right. That's the Book Nook brought to you by the Quincy Library. Muddy River News. Our home. Our news.